Well, good morning, River Life Church. My name is Alicia Tao, and I'm the Community Engagement Director here. Um, it is good to be here this morning with all of you, and a privilege for me to share about Tamar's story. Uh, if you have been following along with our current series, we are in week five of When Love Hurts, Christian Perspectives on Domestic Violence. But before we read the story together, I wanna pause to acknowledge a tragedy that happened on Friday, March 10th in Andover, Minnesota. There was a young mom couple that was involved in a domestic violence situation. The husband shot the wife first and then turned the gun on himself. They both passed, leaving behind three young children. Such a tragedy. My heart aches and cries for what the family went through and what the children will have to go through in life without parents. Sadly, this is not the first time or, or first story of a domestic violence in the Hmong community, nor will it be the last. My hope today is that as we hear about Tamar's story, we will become more courageous advocates for our families, friends, and for the people who need us in the community. So I will be reading from 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 22. In this story, there are four main characters, King David and three of his children, two sons, Amnon, Absalom, who were princes, and also their daughter, his daughter Tamar, who was a princess. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shemiah, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Then she took the pan and served it to him, but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said, so everyone left. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. 
Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Amon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister, he is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard all of this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister, Tamar. When I read the story, I felt anger, disgust, sadness, um, helplessness, shame, rage, and distrust. Those are a lot of negative feelings. Some positive feelings that I felt were compassion, love, care, and empathy. As you read stories like this or hear of tragic news, it's good to name what's happening in your body. Family life is hard, even in King David's family. If you've been around church, you probably know King David's story, where he was considered a man after God's own heart, knocked down Goliath the giant, and yet he also had another man murdered so that he could steal their wife, Bathsheba. This is a recipe for family disaster. In this passage, we see this disaster played out in five different ways. First, lust. Tamar's half-brother, Amnon, lusted after her because she was a virgin and because she was beautiful. Scripture says that he was so obsessed with her that he made himself ill. The definition of lust is a very strong sexual desire. When you hear the story start off with half-brother lusting after his sister, your intuition is already telling you this is not going to end well. The second problem identified in this passage, bad counsel. Amnon shares his obsession with his cousin Jonadab, who gives him an evil plan. 
he tells Amnon to fake his illness and ask Tamar to come cook for him so that he can rape her. Unfortunately, Amnon carries out the plan and it all worked out where Amnon um, had her isolated in his bedroom. Amnon went to the wrong person ed for advice and naturally he got bad advice. The third problem, rape. This is an evil crime that was committed against Tamar. She did not want this. She did not ask for this. She was a victim of her half-brother's sinful thoughts and actions. The theologians agree that because King David had King Uriah murdered so that he could steal Bathsheba to make her his wife, that there would be judgment that would fall on their family through his children. Amnon did what his father also did by taking what is not his, like father, like son. The fourth problem, rejection. After he rapes her, he had his servant put her out of his room. He could have easily made her his wife, but he fulfilled his lust and he threw her away. He knew that kicking her out would shift her destiny and that there would be a huge potential of her never getting married because she was no longer a virgin. She even said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. He still puts her out anyways and does not marry her. And lastly, the fifth problem, silence. Tamar leaves Amnon's place. She put ashes on her head and tore the robe that she had worn and cried all the way to her brother Absalom's home. What does he say to her? Has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now. My sister, he's your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. Scripture shares that she lived in her brother's house desolate as a death brother's house as a desolate woman. A few definitions of desolate, joyless, sorrowful, deserted, lonely, hopeless, and sad. Scripture doesn't say anything else about her story. Nothing else is known about her later life or death. When word reached King David about his firstborn son, Amnon, who had raped his daughter Tamar, scripture said he was furious. End of the sentence. King David didn't say or do anything about it. These are problems that we have all encountered in our family life. Lust, bad counsel, rape, rejection, and silence. We might have experienced one or two or all of these acts against us. I know I did growing up. As a child, I experienced domestic violence at home. I wish someone would have helped us. Many who did use passive tools, but never addressed the perpetrator or the root issues. Silence is what we had in our lives. No advocate, 
no help, just time. We fortunately outlived it because we grew up and left the home. But we carry the trauma in our hearts, in our minds, in our emotions and body, just like Tamar does. It doesn't mean that God was not with me. He definitely was with me, which is why I'm here today leading at River Life Church and why I'm a huge advocate in helping others. So what can we learn from this passage of Tamar's story? What can you do to advocate for someone else? How can we help victims stand up for themselves? How can you ask the perpetrator change? Here are some lessons that we can learn from Tamar's story. One, acknowledge your problems and then work on change. We all struggle with something in our lives. And the first thing we need to do is acknowledge that we have a problem. We all have a personality trait, a learned behavior, or an obsession that is damaging to ourselves and others. Amnon had an obsession with Tamar and lusted after her to the point where he was ill. He had a problem, but he chose to devise an evil plan. Most of the time, the perpetrators don't think anything is wrong with them. They don't think they are the problem and that other people are the problem. Don't we all do that? Don't we all have something that we have to acknowledge and work on changing? We can all work towards changing something about ourselves. The second lesson that we can learn from Tamar's story is to seek good counsel. Surround yourself with people who are good. These individuals should give you good advice in life encourage you to be more loving, and will hold you accountable in your actions. Amnon, he received bad counsel from his cousin, and that was his family. If you have cousins who are not helping you, even if you are best friends, you need to find another circle of friends to influence your life for the better. We all have that one family member or friend that we should not be asking for advice. Another option is to get professional help by treating with a therapist who can help you work through your life situations and guide you into making better decisions for yourself. They can help you figure out why anger continues to manifest and what triggers your anger. What causes you to become abusive and violent towards your family? Lastly, if you are looking for a good circle of people in your life, then check out River Life small groups that meet weekly. We have a flyer out in the lobby, or you can connect with any of the pastors to learn more about them. Third, speak up for yourself. I'll say it again, speak up for yourself. I have heard in many abusive situations where the victims are afraid to talk back, fight, or stand up for themselves. 
It's because the perpetrators have said to their victims, if you say anything to anyone, something worse will happen to you or that no one cares about you. I know how scary it is. You shouldn't let someone silence you. I want to encourage you to speak up anyways, because your words are powerful. Tamar spoke wisdom to her half-brother before he raped her. She tells him about what will happen to her, how he will become a wicked fool in Israel, but he still rapes her. It is the one power that we all have within all of us to take this one step further. Parents, teach your children to speak up for themselves. When they are in difficult situations, they can help themselves verbalize how to stand up and share wisdom against their perpetrators so that they can protect themselves. It took me many years to learn how to speak out directly against the perpetrators in my life because I had to surround myself with people who are good, who gave me courage and made me feel safe. And fourth, men need to break the silence. Many perpetrators are men. A lot of the abuse that happens around us in this world are done by men. Amnon consults with his cousin, who's a man. Absalom doesn't even address Amnon about his evil crimes towards his sister. Why doesn't he confront his half-brother? King David was furious, but scripture says he didn't do anything afterwards because Amnon was his firstborn son. This story is full of men who stayed silent. Most men just keep silent about stuff, or they make excuses such as the topic never came up. I hear you, men, but it's a heavy burden to carry when you start making, when you start asking your guy friends and your family, family members about the hard things of life. Most men prefer drama-free lives to stay out of other people's problems and to relax. It's in the silent spaces that abuse takes place where evil plans are designed and carried out. Women and children are pleading for men to speak up and hold other men accountable for their actions and words in life because we need courageous men in our lives. I want to challenge River Life men to be courageous for their families, to protect them, to love them, to teach them to stand up for themselves and keep other men accountable. So what could it look like for us to advocate for someone else in a really hard situation? What would it look like for us to be what Tamar didn't have? I was 19 years old working at a Salvation Army summer camp, a summer music camp. The students would come and stay for four weeks and learn how to play musical instruments. I was a piano instructor and, 
And our first day of camp, this young lady who was about 15 years old at the time, she was heavier set, but I noticed something different about her. I had this gut feeling that she was pregnant. She was probably halfway through her pregnancy. She was showing, but not showing. And I told the camp nurse, I think she's pregnant. So when she met with the nurse, she told the nurse she was not. During those four weeks, I gave her all my extra food and watched her to make sure that she wouldn't get injured. I asked her multiple times if she was pregnant and she would get upset at me and say, no, she was not. But she would eat all my extra food. The last week of camp, half the group went on a hike and she stayed behind. While we were on this hike, I got a radio call on my walkie-talkie that this young lady finally told the camp nurse she was pregnant because she was raped by her father. All her sisters were all raped by their father. By the time I got back from my hike, she was taken away by the camp directors, probably to the police station. I never saw her again. Months later, I inquired about her well-being, and they said she had given birth to a baby, and they were both healthy, and the father was sent to jail. My part in the story was very short. When I met her, I just knew in my gut something was terribly wrong, and I advocated for her daily until she chose to stand up for herself and tell her story about her father as the perpetrator. These are real stories. Tamar's story, Jennifer's story from Andover, this young lady from camp, the, my story. The trauma lives on forever, but when God's people intervene, then the silence is broken. Evil plans are destroyed. People are saved. Lives are changed and healed, and stories are redeemed. Let's move forward together in living out God's wonderful plans for us all. But we need you and I to help each other be the best person for our families and the community. Never give up doing what is right. Let's pray. God, Tamar's story is hard. It's full of sadness. It's full of pain. It's full of a lot of bad things, bad feelings. And it's, it's because of her half-brother who raped her. We, we come to you because we also experience hard times in our lives. And it's usually within families that this pain um, is what we experience. God, we bring to you the pains, the sorrows, the sadness in our lives, the abuse that we've encountered 
in our lives and we give it to you, God. We ask for your empowering of the Holy Spirit to teach us to speak up for ourselves and that we would find the right words to speak wisdom in the situations that are the hardest in our family times. And we ask for men to break the silence, Lord, that we would have a generation of courageous men to stand up to protect their children and their families, their wives, and their communities. And that we would not stay silent, but that we would spur on and encourage each other to live good lives, to give good wisdom and counsel to others. And that we would also pour into our family's goodness and that we would get rid of evil plans and the abuse and the violence and the words that kill others and that we would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak kindness, love, gentleness and protect our families because that is what you would like for us. Lord, I pray over our families that lives would be broken and that we would receive and see your light at the end of the dark tunnel. And for any families in this room that is experiencing domestic violence, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your power would intervene in such a mighty way that this would end today and that people would be redeemed, stories would be turned and uh, healed, and people would come to know you in such a way that they would be a living testimony for their future generational, their children, and for families at church, and that we would carry on salt and light into this world. You are our God, we believe in trusting you and know that you can do all things. And we lift everyone up in this room up to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.